Hello everyone, and welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, and it's another frigid day here in Denver. Uh, nothing too crazy, like a negative four. You know, pretty relaxed type of chill. <laughs> I'm debating on whether or not I want to be, you know, a very tough person and go jog in the snow in this weather, or if I want to just stay inside, work out in the garage until I have acting class tonight. <laughs> Oh, decisions, decisions. I'll probably take the latter, um, but I'll tell everybody I did the former. <laughs> but let's get in to our interview for this episode. I, I will preface this by saying I knew I was going to have a blast talking to her when my initial outreach email months ago was replied with, hmm, sounds weird. I'm interested. I, I just I knew it was going to be a blast. And I, of course, am talking about the lovely Summer Hart. Now, she is an actress a model, a content creator, director, and producer who primarily works in the adult film industry. Uh, but hearing her story, there are so many more layers to it. It was just, uh, it, it was a joy, you know, getting to share that with her and talk to her about, you know, how she got involved in the adult film industry, where she started before. She was actually a burlesque dancer at one point. And uh, yeah, I was just hooked. I had a blast talking to her and she has one of the, <laughs> I won't say, one of the funniest, uh, because I can relate to it so much, but it was one of the best party stories we've had on the show. Uh, you know, it, it was funny because I, uh, I've done the same thing, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I honestly, I have nothing else to say. Let's just get right into the interview. Oh, and Summer, if you're listening to this, uh, I know this episode comes out days before, but within the same week. So happy birthday. I hope you have an amazing birthday and have a wonderful week. So let's get right to it and let's sit down with the lovely Summer Hart. I'm Summer Hart. Um, I've been uh, working in adult in some capacity for um, 11 years and um, I started off as a burlesque dancer and a cam girl um, and now I mostly do adult film. So I am really interested to, to hear the burlesque dancing part of it. I don't know a whole lot about burlesque dancing. We have a few, you know, uh, burlesque, uh, I think they're called cabarets here in Denver. Mm -hmm. But how did you gain an interest in becoming a burlesque dancer? Have you always been a dancer? Have you ever been always been more of a like a motion <laughs> sort of performance artist or? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, a lot of people who do burlesque dancing would, um, I mean, I would have to tell you that a lot of them, um, at least when I was doing it, would say things like, oh, well, we're not strippers. Um, it was, uh, I don't know another better word to say, but it was very horophobic. Um, there was like a, a lot of talk that was like, oh, well, we're not like these, you know, bad kind of girls that are taking their clothes off. Uh, we're artists and artisans and we make our own clothes and, you know, um, and I heard someone once refer to us as like steampunk strippers, um, <laughs> which was really... <laughs> which is really funny and totally true. Um, and I think a lot of people um, who are in that space, they enjoyed some of the same things that um, many people enjoy who are dancers or who are making like adult film, which was like kind of some of the, the freedom of um, the creativity, some of the like nudity, um, like some of the, the stuff in those spaces. And some people just really enjoyed like, you know, making costumes and doing routines and stuff like that, which I really enjoyed too. Um, but it also gave me a lot more confidence in my body and like feeling like actually maybe I, I was, you know, um, sexy and that was okay. I, I grew up in, you know, kind of a rural area and, um, there's a lot of like sexual shame and, um, feelings that, you know, 
definitely my body wasn't okay. Nudity wasn't okay. And sex and sexuality weren't okay. And that gave me maybe the very first space where I felt like, oh, I could like celebrate this and feel like it was okay. And and maybe even like, good. That's, uh, I, I had to go back really quick to the, how badass the title of steampunk strippers is. <laughs> uh, it just, it sounds like a really um, just outlandish comic book title. Uh, so that's a really just badass way to describe it. But um, yeah, growing up in a community like that must have been, you know, very tough to find ways of like expressing yourself, you know. So uh, when it comes to, you know, leaving that sort of community and then going out on your own, you know, once you graduate high school, what were you looking to do? Like, what were your career aspirations, you know, leaving high school behind and wanting to you know, truly figure out who you are? Did you have anything in mind that you were looking for? Or were you going out on an adventure and waiting for it to find you? Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, I, I maybe grew up in a community that I didn't really feel like I, I fit into. Um, I feel like the more, um, the older I got and the more I talk to people, uh, I find that that seems to be like a really common thread for a lot of folks that they feel like they, they maybe didn't really fit into the communities they were born into or grew up into or maybe the families they grew up in. Um, and for me, I mean, I, I've done a lot of things actually outside of like the adult industry. Um, I've been to <laughs> probably way too much school. Um, so at that, at that time, um, this was just something that I was doing for fun. Um, just so you know, you don't really make any money doing burlesque. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's probably, I know that there's somebody out there um, who's making just a, a good living at that. But most people who are dancing in troops, um, you know, you, you spend more money on costuming, more time on sewing things and, you know, putting, gluing tiny little pieces of glitter to pasties um, than you ever uh, could possibly earn on a off Friday night where you, you know, do a show at a bar. Um, so I, I never earned uh, very much money at that. And um, I was kind of always broke, um, to be honest. And I was struggling to afford school. Um, I never had um, like parents that were well off. Um, and I kind of always struggled to uh, pay for school, um, especially as I was getting, uh, you know, into my junior and senior year. Um, by that time, I, I have um, I have a, a sister that I'm 14 years older than, um, and by that time, um, my I had become her guardian, um, and I was only 21, um, and she was seven, and um, so. I started to really, really struggle and I actually had dropped out, um, for probably, I think it's probably two semesters at that point. Um, and I really wanted to be able to finish my bachelor's degree. And that was this big thing. I think it holds over a lot of people's heads, right? I think a lot of people feel really badly about themselves if they start a degree and don't finish it. And I think we're told a lot of times that that's like the most important thing that we can do. Or, I mean, it depends on how, like, you know, how old you are and what your age is, but you know, I'm a millennial and, um, I think that if you're a millennial, like that's something that was taught to you from a very young age. Like we go to college, you go to college if you want to do anything with your life. So, um, around that time I was like, I wonder, you know, what I could do to actually earn some money. <laughs> and, um, cause you know, I was bartending and I just like, wasn't cutting it. Um, and I started webcamming. Um, and I didn't think that, uh, it would be something that I was going to do long-term, I just thought that like, I really needed to have the money to pay for a semester of college. And, um, if you don't have, uh, you know, parents that are, have the ability to like, for instance, like sign or co-sign a loan for you, um, then you can't even get a student loan, for instance, um, which was 
situation that I was in. Um, and I actually ended up really liking uh, webcamming. I thought it was really fun. Um, and I started doing it like every day, actually. People don't believe this or won't believe this or will think this is silly or stupid, but um, sometimes the people who I met on webcam and who were you know, talking to me on webcam have been some of the kindest, nicest people to me that I've ever met in my entire life. Like they treated me better than members of my own family. They've been like genuine friends to me. There are people that I met that many years ago that still talk to me and that I still talk to. No way. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. It was 11, almost 12 years ago. Oh my God. So, I mean, you, you developed a, like your, your own sort of personal community within such a short amount of time that's lasted for that long. That's insane. I, I've never thought about that. You know? I actually think wow. there's a lot of people that, you know, maybe over the last, I want to say five or six years, you know, especially with like Twitch communities mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, cam communities and general discord communities that have really started to develop a lot of um, emotional connections. And, and, you know, sometimes the word used is parasocial, um, but sometimes those relationships are not parasocial. Some of those relationships are parasocial for me, right? But yeah. not all of them. Some of them are are, are very um, connected and have been. And I definitely care about those people and, and know them on a personal level. That's that's incredible, honestly. In going back to the idea of, you know, putting yourself on camera and, you know, you're in front of people that obviously you can't see, that has to be kind of jarring at first. But when you initially dove into that part of, you know, your career, were you hesitant at all? Or did you see it as, you know, an opportunity to essentially build your own business and and make something for yourself? How is how is it navigating that? I was 22. So I did not see it as that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, I, for the very first time had like a decent amount of money in my hands. So the only thing I was thinking about was like, um, <laughs> you know, I had like a seven year old in the house and I was like, how many pop tarts can I buy with this money? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that was the thing I was thinking about, like how many, uh, how I could, you know, afford to pay the entire electric bill all of a sudden was what I was thinking about. Um, so no, those aren't the things that I was thinking about that this would be like a business or something that I would do long-term. And I thought about the fact that, you know, um, the very first semester that I went back to school, I bought all of my textbooks. I know that sounds really silly, but I had never done that. I had never bought all of my textbooks before the semester started instead of waiting to see if like I really needed them yeah. that was always like <laughs> the student experience that I had I don't know if other people could relate to that but that's like a, a very nerve-wracking experience I I relate wholeheartedly I would go through probably half the semester and then find out oh you need the textbook and now it's six hundred dollars oh this is great awesome I really enjoy the fact that I'm paying for this. But uh, I, actually, I didn't have a chance to, to ask you before. I had a complete brain fart. But what were you going to school for? Did you have a, a degree in mind? Or did you have a couple options? What were you looking to do? Um, I had actually started originally going to school for nursing. Um, and then I had switched to social work. Um, so at that time, um, my, my bachelor's that I was trying to finish was in social work. 
Oh my god! Which I, 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 I did finish <laughs> that. You did? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's so cool. Well, oh my, uh, there's so much of your story that I I want to ask you everything. Um, you know, especially when it comes to becoming a guardian and and trying to you know find ways of you know, supporting that child. So I mean, obviously you you crushed it. You're doing great. So uh, you know, moving into your career, you know, you went into the camera portion of it and you didn't really see that as, you know, uh, something you would do long-term at all. So how did you pivot into, you know, going to the, you know, more adult side of it and, you know, partnering with production companies, how did that start for you? How did that happen? Well, um, one of the things I, I kind of realized, you know, for, for better or for worse was that, uh, I had thought, um, maybe initially that like, okay. And, gosh, maybe like I wasn't that bright and maybe I didn't think enough ahead. And and when I talk to other people, um, I do try to remind them of this. And I do try to tell people this because people talk to me a lot about like, I want to do adult or I, I want to get into adult work or I want to film things. I, I hadn't thought about the fact when I started webcaming that people would record these shows and that they would put them online and that they would disseminate them all over the internet. That wasn't something that I was thinking about. Um, you know, and, and this was, you know, maybe 2012 at this point. So like, <laughs> maybe it's silly that I didn't think about that. Um, but like I said, my big and main concern at that point was like, you know, having money in my hand to, to finish school and, and to take care of people. So, um, it, there was not a thought in my head, you know, that people will put this on for him. Right. Yeah. Um, and so by, by 2012, 2013, um, there were videos, recorded shows of me, um, recorded private shows up on uh, everywhere. I mean, all over the internet, um, forums, stuff like that. Um, and I won't pretend uh, like that didn't uh, distress me. Uh, it did. Um, it, it really significantly distressed me um, in the beginning um, because that wasn't essentially what I had hoped <laughs> to do. Um you know, I, I didn't really want videos and images like that of me out. Um, and uh, I realized at some point, though, that they were helping drive traffic to me. Um, they were helping me get um, more people into my chat rooms and that people had, like, found me or noticed me from them. I still don't think that, that like, the piracy aspect of that and, like, sharing other people's images without their consent is a positive thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to silver lining that. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I also started to realize that, like, it was possible for me to potentially monetize things like that. And um, I started to do that for myself as well. And so um, I started to make you know, little videos and things that I could sell to people. And, um, I realized actually that I, I generally like being behind the camera. Um, and I like, uh, filming and I actually like editing work. Um, and I, a lot of people don't like editing work, but I actually think it's kind of fun. Um, pretty Zen for me. Um, and by that time I, I, I had a vanilla job. Um, but <laughs> It sucks. It was during the recession. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was making actually a lot more money, um, you know, off of clips and um, off of camming than I was at my vanilla job, um, which cut my hours back. And I was only able to work two days a week. 
um, during that time. Um, and I was, I was working for a hospice uh, in, in my vanilla job with my degree, which I enjoyed. A lot of people think that that's a bad job, but it was a great job. And um, I was working for a hospice, which is a great job. And um, uh, then I was also, uh, but I was also camming. And I, I found that I loved camming. I loved the people on cam. And I actually started um, then, because I had moved to Las Vegas, um, I started working in some like uh, fetish content, which I thought was really fun. And it kind of allowed me to do some exploration of my own self, which I thought was neat. Wow. That's there's sorry. There's just all, there's always so much to unpack when you're hearing somebody else's story. I'm trying to go back to what I wanted to ask you. Uh, that's I, I, I'm working through the recession is, is one thing. So I can only imagine, you know, you're looking at both funds and one is just rising up meteorically compared to the other. Uh, but as you're, you know, you move to, to Vegas and you, you know, find these new ways of not only career exploration, but self-exploration. Did you find like there was a, a different community of those who work in the adult film industry in Vegas that are a little more tight knit or maybe more welcoming than there were where you previously lived? Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking like, yeah, you're, you're probably about the same age as me. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe you're a little younger. I don't know, but um <laughs> Like I had graduated college, I moved to a new city. I I got this like first initial job. Um, it was like an hourly job, even though you know you have like this bachelor's degree, um, and they like continually cut my hours. Las Vegas was hit particularly hard by the recession, um, and actually the place that I worked closed. Um, oh, no. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. I feel like a year, maybe a year and a half after I moved here, they they, they completely shut down um, the hospice that I was working for. Um, anyway, but during that time, I I was okay and it was fine, but I didn't have that job. I mean, it wasn't fine, but it was fine. But I didn't have that job because I was like, well, I I have this other job, right? Like I I I can still I can still camp, I can still make videos, I can still work in in fetish, and and yeah, you're you're. You're right. I I met people who are completely different than anyone I had ever met. Um, some of the first um, companies that I um, started working for out here were like uh, spanking companies. Um, one of them is called like Shadow Lane, and they they do like spanking um, clips. And I was really into that, or I kind of discovered in some ways that I was really <laughs> into that um, by doing some of those films. One of the coolest things about um, this career is that there are things that people would bring to you, right? Like <laughs> things that you might not have decided to try or decided to do. And things that I think I would have normally just been like, eh, you know, okay, no. But then someone would say, you know, hey, uh, would you try this for some money? And you would sit there and you'd think about it. And of course you could always say no, but then you thought about it and you're like, you know, let's, let's do it. And sometimes it would turn out that it was really, really fun. You just left yourself open to the universe and just saw what happened essentially, right. To see, you know, like you said, learning more about yourself. Yeah. And I think so few people get that opportunity in part because it's like, it's bad, it's wrong. You're not supposed to kind of thing, but also like, you don't get the opportunity to even have it cross your path. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, obviously with, with different variations, but that's a similarity that 
is split between both, you know, the adult film industry and then, you know, I'm in TV and film is that idea that you are able to explore all these different avenues that you may end up enjoying in life as well. You know, like for me, I ended up, <laughs> I ended up ice skating, uh, you know, during a scene, never really done it before. And now I love it. Like, it's just, it's insane how, you know, which I know it's, it's not a comparison. No, but, that's you know, totally a comparison. Yeah. Like being, uh, open to exploring new, uh, new facets about yourself. You didn't even think about before. Uh, and you know, we are pretty similar in age. I was born in 92. I, I think you were born in the, like the nineties as well. Right. Yeah, so we we've both gone through the ebbs and flows of you know the, each recession and you know economic crisis and all this other stuff and having to pivot and find new ways of you know making money. So I'm really interested. Once you you know you open yourself up to these new opportunities, you resettled in Vegas. Did you have a a new plan in life that you wanted to you know see fulfilled, or were you just looking at it as well? Let's take one week at a time and see what happens. Oh my gosh. That's a really good question. I, okay. I had lived in Texas and then I had lived in Oregon and then I was just like, I just want to move anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I had known a couple of people in Vegas and I was like, let's just move to Vegas because I know some people there and like, maybe they could help me like get a job. (laughs) Um, And that's literally the reason I ended up in Vegas, um, which is just, you know, happenstance lucky because uh, there's so many um, good adult career um, moves that you can make in Vegas. And there's a lot of people that um, do adult in Vegas. And it's also just, um, you know, maybe it's not like the the most open place in the world, but it's it's uh, pretty forgiving. Yeah, it seems like uh, there's just there's a lot of great business over there. And honestly, I received an email from uh, a PR company beginning of this month about going to AVN <laughs> and doing some press stuff. Like if I could afford it, I would totally go. But <laughs> I'm, I am locked down here. Uh, another thing that we haven't really touched on, but what do you like to do outside of of your job? I mean, what what keeps you spiritually satiated? Uh, what lets you, you know, kind of relax a little bit? What do you, what do you enjoy doing outside of your job? Um, okay. So somehow over the quarantine, um, I started like brewing. Um, I've been brewing uh, mead and um, kombucha and uh, I became a little <laughs> a bit of a home brewer. Um, <laughs> I've, having a, I've been having a really fun time with that. Um, so if I, you know, go to D and D or have my friends in D and D, then I, um, I, I send over a little bit of meat if I can, which is fun. Um, I also started roller skating around the same time. A lot of people started roller skating during the pandemic. Did you notice that? Yeah, I uh, I hadn't uh, been rollerblading in 10 years and I got back into it during the pandemic. So yeah, it, now they're everywhere. So is Vegas just littered with roller skaters on the weekends? Yes, there's a place by my house. Um, it's, it's just a random part, but most weeknights there are people just roller skating there and people playing music and it's incredible. Like there are no fewer than 30 to 40 people. I mean, if the weather's bad, you know, no, but like if, if it's decent weather, even if it's really hot, there are, <laughs> yeah, you know, it is, it is. Um, <laughs> there are 40 people in that park roller skating with a boom box. Like it's 1995. <laughs> what? Oh, that sounds amazing. 
yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god i wish we i i'm based out of denver we have a like some of that here and there but never a group of more than like five guys who all know each other and you can't you know just stroll up to them and say hey can i can i join your crew <laughs> that's that sounds amazing wow so and I, sorry i need to go back to the home brewing aspect of it uh any chance summer heart is going to start her own brewery down the road or is this strictly just for the love of it <laughs> Um, so actually it's crazy, but I learned everything to do brewing from Reddit. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. Um, so if, if you want to learn how to brew, I guess go to Reddit. Um, <laughs> they'll teach you every, they're like professionals on Reddit, man. Um, <laughs> and if you don't want to make something so professional, there's like an R prison hooch and you could turn ham glaze into wine i don't know they're they know everything too um but yeah i i learned how to do it on reddit <laughs> um because i was bored and i felt like i couldn't leave my house and i started making um kombucha um her thought was really good for you <laughs> and then i was like well i wonder if we can make the kombucha alcoholic and you can yeah. um <laughs> so you can um and it's funny because i i don't even really drink um <laughs> but i wondered if i could uh you know brew mead and there's like a couple of local apiaries here that have honey and that I, I get honey from and I thought well let's let's try that and I started reading about it but yeah no I I um I've never sold any of it um I just it's just an expensive hobby <laughs> oh yeah yeah I I do forget about the uh, the homebrewing kits and how it's just it's like a launching point for how much money you're going to spend <laughs> well I tell you you can make a uh, hard kombucha for really cheap. Um, and mead doesn't have to be expensive. Um, but I go to the, I go to this old Greek man here in town and <laughs> buy his very expensive money. So <laughs> that, sorry, that's, that's a really cool, uh, hot, I don't think anyone I've talked to has picked up brewing during the pandemic. Uh, and it's uh, having worked for breweries throughout the years, it is one of the coolest processes to see done. You know, I can only imagine making it in your home and making more than just beer and having, you know, kombucha and mead. And that's okay. just, that's so cool. Beer is hard. Yeah. Beer is a really <laughs> difficult one. Beer is, um, beer requires also um, a longer process and a, a greater process. Um, I've actually never brewed a beer. I mean, there are people that, that do it. Um, but mead um, and kombucha are, are a little bit easier and you don't need any special equipment to make mead, so. I think that's me trying to manifest you making beer at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, I, I really, uh, I know, this chat's just been really fun getting to know you, getting to know, you know, your life and your career. But uh, I, I do want to ask, you know, when it comes to the importance of this show and the guests we have on it, if you have any advice you can instill upon the listeners of the show. Now, uh, it could be advice about, you know, just becoming yourself, navigating career pivots, uh, maybe some advice that's helped you. Do you have anything you could pass along to our listeners? I think I've always been amazed at people that can stay and stick with um, careers that don't make them happy and don't make them feel fulfilled and where they don't feel like they have control. Um, I don't know if that's advice, but that's, I'm amazed by people that are, are able to do that. Um, generally 
um, for me, the thing that has allowed me to maybe have longevity in the space that I'm in has been uh, feeling as if I can be in control of a lot of the aspects of what I'm doing. And there are definitely aspects that I have not been in control of. Um, and I think that that's probably true with all work because um, you have to work with other people and you can't control what they do and you can't control how they decide to do things um, or how they perceive things or what they do with other things. But um, for me, I, I do feel like um, that bit of aspect has allowed me to like stick in and stick with it yeah. um, and have a longer career. I think that's, that's perfect. And that goes for anyone. You know, that's the beauty of, of advice that people held on to is that it goes with anybody, no matter what. Uh, yeah, God, that's really, sorry. I'm just writing, writing it down in my notes, listeners, if you hear a hum. <laughs> uh, also, with each episode, we love giving, you know, shout outs and promotions to something our guests really care about, whether it's, you know, your own business or a charity or organization you really believe in. Is there anything I can give a shout out to in the episode notes? Oh, that would be so cool. So um, I actually help run um, a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, it's called Swade Vegas, um, S-W-A-I-D Vegas. Um, and uh, we are a harm reduction and uh, micro-grant uh, mutual aid. And uh, we specifically give uh, harm reduction and micro-grants to sex workers um, of any kind. So anybody who works in the adult industry. So I don't know if you're a phone sex operator or you do, um, I don't know, you're an escort or you're a dancer or you do um, adult performance of some kind. Um, we want to like help give you mutual aid in like whatever capacity we have the ability to do it. Um, so our typical ways of giving mutual aid um, are that we give micro-grants. So we give like small amounts of money to people, which um, you know, uh, that is limited, but we, but we, you know, have been able to give quite a bit out to people like over a year sometimes. Um, and we fundraise for all of that personally. We are not grant funded. We don't have any kind of sponsorship. So that comes from everybody in the community and our community is people who are um, adult performers and sex workers. Um, and then we give out, um, harm reduction. And so over this past year, um, we actually became, um, a Narcan distributor, um, if you're not familiar with um, Narcan, Narcan is, is a, um, uh, an overdose medication. Um, so about 100,000 people a year die of uh, opioid overdoses in the United States, and that's an estimate. Um, and uh, in fact, like, I don't really know anybody who hasn't been impacted by that in some way personally. Um, almost everyone I know um, has had somebody pass away or know somebody that's had somebody pass away or has been impacted by that, which is part of the reason why we wanted to become a Narcan distributor. Um, you know, one of the things about like being a sex worker in general is that a lot of people think that your life doesn't matter and your life's not important and your, your life is, you know, uh, less, less important than other people's lives. And um, even though a lot of us are not drug users personally, um, I think a lot of us understand what it feels like to, um, have people think that your life is not valuable mm. and um, partly because some of us have been affected and partly because um, many of us just know what, what that feels like. Um, we wanted to become a Narcan distributor. Um, and so we became a Narcan distributor for the States. So you can get Narcan from us. Um, we also have fentanyl test strips. So fentanyl being 
a thing that people overdose on and die from um, that, that kills over 100,000 people a year in the United States. Um, so we have that. We give all of that out for free. Um, and of course, we are uh, working with sex workers. So uh, we give out Plan B. We, we were just at ABN that you were talking about. We give out so much Plan B at ABN. Um, <laughs> yes. We give out Plan B condoms, um, internal condoms. Um, we give out also on the on the other side, on the um, drug use harm reduction side, we give out clean needles. Um, and sometimes we give out other supplies, uh, diapers, grocery gift cards, stuff like that, like whatever we can try to do because um, we are um, a mutual aid group and that's our biggest um, our biggest thing that we're trying to do is just try to aid the people in our community with whatever we can do for them. That's wow. That's incredible. Honestly, thank you for, for being a part of that. And thank you for letting us share it because that's, I had no idea about that. I'm sharing the shit out of that. That's, <laughs> sorry. I just, I love when people are really, um, passionate about helping others and are heavily involved in it. So Summer, thank you first and foremost for that. Uh, one last thing I, I have for you uh, before you know we say our goodbyes, uh, and I forgot to mention it earlier, but I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a party story if you have one with our listeners. So that being a, a story it could be in your life, in your career, uh, just something that stands out so immensely, you could easily recant it amongst friends at a party. It could be really funny. It could be uh, kind of scary, thrilling, just anything you want. We usually go for funny. So if you have something goofy uh, in your arsenal, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, so I used to tell stories about when I was young, but I'll tell you um, a story about when I was young. So in high school, I ran track and um, I had been training and I'm not very tall, um, <laughs> but I really, really wanted to, for whatever reason to do hurdles. And I had decided that I was going to, yeah. Um, <laughs> and my coach probably being a very, you know, kind person was like, okay, you can try and um, so I, I was, you know, training for probably two weeks, trying to learn to do hurdles. And um, we had this race where, um, and I went to a very rural school, and we had this race where um, there was only two teams that had anybody signed up to do hurdles. And she was like, hey, I know you've been training. You're guaranteed to get a spot. Go run the hurdle. And I was pumped and it was also at my high school and everybody had gotten out of school for the day um to sit in the stands and of course the hurdle track goes right in front of the stands um and, uh, and I was like oh man this is so exciting right I was I was so excited to to do this and um <laughs> and but I'd never done it um like in a race or anything like that I had just practiced in practice um, but I was excited cause I was definitely going to get a place and I was definitely going to get a little ribbon or whatever. And, um, so I run out there and I'm actually winning. Um, I'm in the first place and I kind of look around and I'm coming right in front of the, uh, right in front of the stands where everybody's sitting. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know, I'm like 14 or 15 years old. I don't know how my body works. I'm, uh, I'm clumsy. I never put my leg up to go over the hurdle, but I just kind of like dive over it. <laughs> like, like a, like a Superman dive. I still don't know why. I mean, I, 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 I never, I, I still can't figure out what made this happen. And, um, 
not only does this happen, but my track shorts are like a little bit too big. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> yes. so I lose my track shorts. Like they come like all the way, not like all the way down, but like down enough that they like, they like slide down like over my butt um, and my butt shows. Um, and I scrape up um, not just like my stomach and my legs and my knees, but also my face. Um, so that it's like, <laughs> I hit my side of my face. Um, and not only did I not place, but I, I actually didn't do any more hurdles ever again in my life. I got up and walked off of the track. And then for like the rest of the time that, you know, like weeks at school, I have like a scraped up face that I can't hide. Um, and that was probably the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me in high school. I think about that. That's one of those things that like, you know, like people say, like they think about things that they said, you know, like that weird thing that they said. I still lay in bed at night when I'm having anxiety and think about that. <laughs> I, I can't thank you enough for that story. Honestly. But <laughs> now you feel better about being in high school. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I have my stories. Um, I mean, I was an overweight fat kid in high school, so I could I could tell you stories all day. But that was incredible. Thank you for for bearing your heart to us <laughs> when it comes to that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I can't stop giggling. Um, that's that's a really great story. I uh, I gotta I gotta wrap it up here, but I want to say, Summer, like this was a joy talking to you, getting to know you, hearing your story. Uh, I do want to ask you: Have you ever seen Wayne's World? Yeah, of course. Oh, thank God. Uh, so to wrap up every single episode, I, uh, I just like to do what we call an awkward goodbye, uh, similar to when Wayne walked off the set and Garth has left his own devices in front of the green screen and he just, he's kind of stammering, doesn't know what to say. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind, and if you're up for it, I'm going to give you a silent three, two, one countdown. When I point to you, give us your best verbal awkward goodbye and I'll stop the recording from there. Okay. Does that sound good? <laughs> All right, here we go in. Um, bye. <laughs>